0: What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back into the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, a college basketball insider over at FS1 and Fox Sports, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode of the Sidelines Podcast is the 47th show. And it features an interview from Butler head coach, Lavelle Jordan. He is in his first season as the Butler head coach, and he and I discuss the Butler way, how his life would be different if he hadn't committed to play at Butler, as well as Keelan Martin's unique scoring package. Following that interview, I dive into three big topics, talked about uh, Xavier's big win over Baylor, uh, two teams that I think stock rising, and then Anthony Simons and his draft status. Before we jump to that interview with Laval Jordan, I want to make sure that you are supporting the Sidelines Podcast. The best way that you can support this podcast is to go over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me, but also leave a rating and a review. Uh, you can also leave me a note over on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Evan Daniels. Now let's jump to that interview with Butler head coach Laval Jordan.
1: It's time to go minimum with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella.
0: Now let's welcome in first-year Butler head coach Laval Jordan to the sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. Coach, how you doing? Doing great, Evan. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, jumping on. So you're you're seven games into your first year at Butler, and you got this job in June. Over the last five months, have you had a chance to, to just to sit down and get a breather? I mean, this thing moves so quick.
1: Yeah, you know, there's been a, a, maybe a day or two. Uh, <laughs> but you're right, it goes quick. And, and once you get a job, you know, putting the staff together and re-recruiting uh, guys assigned with the former staff and getting on the, on the road recruiting in July, you know. So that's a uh, definitely a unique time uh, to, to jump into a, a new situation. Uh, but now we're finally, you know, finding some smooth air here uh, as as we started, you know, to play some games and, and feel like we know our roster pretty well now, and and the assistants are uh, and the staff is all settling in, in just fine. So, uh, well, my wife's from Indianapolis, so that helps. So, you know, in terms of uh, the other part of the transition is the family thing. So, her, um, you know, knowing where we wanted to live and the kids want, where they where they want to go to school, and uh, so she she definitely was a champion. Uh, on that side of things.
0: You always so, gotta, uh,
1: we're at a point now where it's settled down settled down a little bit.
0: Well, that's good. It, it, what's the most difficult part coach about getting a job in mid-June? I mean, you, you basically missed all of the the spring recruiting period, but I'm curious your take. What what's the the, the biggest uh, difficulty about getting a job that late?
1: Uh, well, I think it's just uh, unique, you know, it's a uh, you know, it's the same the same um I guess protocol or checklist Uh, you know and fortunately I just gone through it last year April uh, having just got the job at Milwaukee and so uh, you know you're just it's a it's it's definitely um, sped up you know you're doing everything at a quicker rate Uh, get in the seat and you're trying to get a hold of the parents and the coaches or the guys that are on the roster and you know uh, you're worried about maybe guys maybe want to make a change or transfer Uh, so you want to talk to them and get to them as quickly as possible the current players and families and and the signees, uh, so everything was just rushed because uh, in June, I think I, June 14th was my first day and summer school was starting on June 23rd and so those guys at had time were ready to come here and, and uh, start their first summer session. Next thing you know, the coach changes and so now they're trying to figure out if they still want to come and, and, and uh, we've got to get to them and talk to them about it. So that's probably the, 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 the most difficult part because there's a lot of transition and, and you know, they had just made decisions and made a commitment
0: uh, to a different staff. You mentioned taking over your second program in as many years. What was different about the first couple months on the job at Butler compared to when you got the Milwaukee job in those first couple months?
1: Um, you know, I, I would say Milwaukee was a more of a, um, a rebuild. You know, that was a situation going into it where it was my first time, uh, you know, taking over any program. And, and so I was trying to figure out a lot of things, just uh, being the uh, being in this in this seat in this position. Uh, and then there was four scholarship guys remaining after all the smoke cleared, guys who decided to transfer. Uh, and so there was a ton of attrition. And so uh, we were talking about building a roster, uh, and you know a little bit from the ground up. Uh, there was a few remaining pieces, but you know we had to add and try to find guys that were still available that were the right guys for us. And and we signed six. Whereas this situation at Butler is, you know, there's been a, a tradition and the program's been running, you know, fair, not, fairly smoothly and a lot of success in recent years. Coach Holman did a great job most recently, uh, and so you know, it wasn't much of a rebuild. It's it's how to sustain it and keeping guys on board, and uh, you know, that's a, definitely a different situation.
0: Now you've been on the job for five months, as I mentioned. You know, you played at uh, at Butler. You were there as an assistant coach. Can you kind of put into words what now being the head coach of that school means to you?
1: No, oh, it's it's a uh, you know, it's it's a dream come true. It's unique, and and I think our our league is definitely unique. I think there's four guys uh, in the Big East Conference that are coaching at their alma maters where they played, and and um, so it's it's certainly a uh, an honor. Uh, it's something you take very seriously. Uh, you do, you never know if it's if it's really going to happen. Um, but you know, when it does happen, uh, you know it's something that um, you know. I don't know if they're if you're still settled in
0: to realizing
1: right. you know what what what's really going on.
0: <laughs> when Chris Holtman left for Ohio State and and you saw that job come open, did you kind of know immediately that you were going to have a great shot?
1: Well, I knew I wanted to be a uh, I wanted to be a candidate for certain. Uh, you know, you never know. It's something where obviously I played for Barry Collier, who was our athletic director, uh, so we definitely have a relationship that uh, that goes you know back in time, and uh, a ton of connections around Butler University. And I haven't been a player here, an assistant here uh, for four years as well, uh, but you never know, and so it was something that you know certainly was uh, high on my list, and, and I was you know wanted and desired to to be in a position to to go after it. And uh, fortunately, it worked
0: out. Now, I, I heard a story uh, about your um, high school days. You were being recruited by Butler and, and Xavier, and you, you took a, a visit to Butler's campus. And on that visit, you picked up an offer. But you still had a, a trip planned to Xavier. You ended up committing to Butler uh, without taking mm-hmm. that other visit. How, how did that decision kind of come about? I, I heard a story about you in, in the car with your dad talking about it.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, that's a true story. Yeah, I was actually... Uh, you know, Coach Jeff Battle, who was at Xavier at the time, was recruiting me, and he's now in our league at Providence and, and a good friend, uh, still remains a good friend. But, you know, coming in, and seeing the campus and, and the city of Indianapolis and the situation when Coach Collier was uh, was building it to, uh, you know, with the vision of it becoming what it is now. And uh, on the way home, you know, my dad simply asked me, hey, what, else, what else are you looking for? And, uh, you know, it was one of the few times that, I had no rebuttal, which uh, <laughs> I always liked having a rebuttal for for my dad. But I had nothing to say, and so he just he just said, "Hey, let's sleep on it, and if it uh, if you feel the same way, why why, why wait?" And uh, that was it. So we never made the other visit.
0: <laughs> Especially now, have you ever thought about what how how different life would be if you hadn't made that decision to to play at Butler?
1: Yeah, no, nah, I can't imagine life without without Butler. <laughs> It'd be, definitely, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's weird to think about what would have been, because uh, I, I, who knows where I would have ended up. And uh, so I'm, I'm fortunate and, and definitely glad it worked out here. And and uh, you know, the the relationships that were built, you know, throughout the four-year career that I had, and, and in terms of teammates and uh, people around the university and the community. You know, I, I don't know what my life would be like without uh, without Butler University.
0: Do, do you have a uh, a favorite memory from from your playing career there?
1: Yeah, mo- most certainly. Um, you know, we were uh, my senior year beating Wake Forest in the, in the first round of the NCAA tournament. That was the first win at the time, uh, in, in 39 years of Butler. You know, making the tournament. You know, we made it three out of the four years, but that, that senior year uh, was finally a breakthrough where we you know we won won a game and uh, obviously that was a big deal back then and now you know it's it's kind of an expectation to be in the tournament uh annually but uh back then it was we got there we got there we got there and finally a uh, breakthrough breakthrough win against Wake Forest and you know something you always a part of and
0: and no one can ever take away now you can probably explain this maybe better than anyone just based on the fact that that you played and were there as an assistant and and now the head coach everybody talks about the phrase the butler way Explain that to me, uh, Lavelle. W- what does that exactly mean to you?
1: It, it's a, uh, you know, it's just a, ph- uh, a philosophy and a culture, and it's a, uh, here I think the unique thing is it's it's a total community uh, effect around the entire university from the president all the way through to uh, each student on campus of just a uh, we over me mindset, you know, something that where um, accountability is a huge part of it, uh, and, and the commitment is at a high level, and it's just a selfless, uh, a selfless, you know, attitude and a selfless culture. And, and I guess, uh, that was the thing that, you know, I learned, uh, more. I was, uh, you know, I think it's recruited to, uh, with the, all of our student athletes, uh, but definitely cultivate it once you get here and, and, uh, you realize you're part of something bigger than yourself and, and you make a commitment to give whatever you can, you know, to, to make uh, Butler what it is and, and, and protect it. Uh, and so that was something that, you know, like I guess that Butler was a huge part of my life and, and it helped me grow and mature as a, as a young man.
0: I think you hit on it when you mentioned recruiting, and obviously that plays a big part in in building that type of culture. But once you get those kids on campus, like how how do you go about uh, improving that type of culture uh, within the program? Is is there is there a certain regimen, or or how how do you go about um, kind of getting it to that level that you want it?
1: No, nah, I you know, it's not not overly complicated I, mean, I think there's a, a you know, expectation to do what's right uh because it's the right thing to do. Uh and we talk about the qualities and characteristics and uh, our core values often. Uh, and then there's a high accountability to to live up to them. And so our guys know the standard our um uh, you know, if if uh, I think our old teach the young, so our seniors have uh, a lot of ownership and our upperclassmen a lot of ownership in in the culture of the program and and uh, they had to talk to them and just like I had to talk to me from five seniors when I was a freshman so uh, it's just something that you hold
0: each other accountable to now you worked under John Beeline from 2010 to 2016 what's maybe one thing you've taken from your time with him and tried to apply to your head coaching style and philosophy
1: well, I think Coach Beeline, uh yeah, everybody is, is knows that he's a tremendous offensive mind, uh, brilliant, you yeah, know, probably the best in, in the game of college basketball. And so, you know, some of the things that, uh, uh, you know, in terms of sets and and movement and um, uh, misdirection and, and concepts is something that I, that I take from Coach. But probably more than that is just um, he, he was a tremendous CEO. You know, Coach line had always been a head coach, never been an assistant coach. Uh, so, just in terms of running a program, uh, all the things that that entails and the details of it, and the management of people uh, from the assistants to the support staff, all the way down to the players, uh, you know, he was fabulous at just uh, helping us learn, uh, you know, those components and how to manage it all when you're talking about being a CEO, you know, of a of a major program.
0: Let's talk about your t- current team, coach. You're sitting at five and two. Kind of assess where your team's at up to this point. What have you been? Uh, happy with, and what have you or are hoping that you guys get better at?
1: Well, I think I've been happy with just the competitive spirit of the group. Um, you know, we've got a, a competitive group. Uh, I think um, roles have changed for each and every one of them. When you're talking about Kamar, Baldwin, and, and Keelan Martin, uh, you know, two guys that are now at the top of uh, the scouting board for um, for opponents, and uh, Tyler Wyman, who's now a senior and, and, and has to step into a leadership role. Uh, so all those roles are different, and, and we've had a number of guys that were, were uh, playing, but not maybe not as many minutes last year. Sean McDermott uh, stepped up, and Paul Jorgensen, who was transferred and sitting out. So, uh, you know, this group, we had a foreign tour, tour uh, to Spain to get to know them a little better and just kind of see the makeup of the group. And uh, I think it's a group that really gets along and likes each other and uh, plays well together. And and they're competitive. Uh, now there's a there's a ton of things that we need to to work on. That's a long list, but I think um, you know I think defensively we've been uh, we've been pretty active and forced a high number of turnovers just being in the right spot and, and guys understanding our defensive principles. Uh, we got to guard the three point line better, uh, but and then offensively you know we're, we're we're a work in progress where we're still trying to just find smooth air uh, with you know Aaron Thompson, the freshman point guard out there, and Kamar being uh kind of a dual or more of a combo guard playing on the ball some more and um so we are fortunate to to have come out on top against some good teams and
0: uh you know have a lot to learn here moving forward do you think those summer trips the the european trips and, and foreign trips uh, do you feel like you get a better sense of your team and get to know your guys better i mean do you think that's a big advantage heading into the season when you're able to do that
1: Yeah, I do. I do. I think, um, especially when you get the job in June, (laughs) it was, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, we had all agreed that, hey, we're all for Butler, you know, me being a former player, and these guys are here now. And and so that was, um, you know, something that united us. But, you know, having not recruited them and been on the phone and in their living rooms during the process, it gave us an opportunity to to get to know each other on a more personal level, uh, just the backgrounds and Uh, where these guys were coming from, how they grew up, and what made them come to Butler. And hearing some of the stories uh, just to have a more uh, deeper connection uh, with them as people. Uh, And then obviously we had 10 practices in four games to to be able to see them on the court and see who could do what and where we
0: thought our strengths might be uh, as well. And You mentioned uh, Keelan Martin a minute ago. Uh, This is a kid that I saw quite a bit in high school, and quite frankly I undervalued him. But he's such a unique scorer. Uh, from your standpoint what makes him so good at putting the ball in the basket cuz he he can really do that
1: yeah he, he's one of those guys that just has that niche to uh to put the ball in the basket you know he's a, he's he's a big strong kid at 6 7 he's about 230 uh so he's got a a, a good physical body on him uh his he, uh he's not shooting the ball great right now but he's a well documented shooter uh, and we know he'll shoot it better as time goes on um, and then he can score really well in the mid range, and and so you know he's 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 playing in the post more, uh, and he's got he's got the ability to shoot the ball off the bounce, and uh, and he's a good free throw shooter as well. And so uh, I think he's growing as a passer and growing as a moving without the ball and being able to cut to the basket and find himself some easy points. Uh, as he and he's grown as a rebounder and defender too. Uh, you know he's had a couple sets where.
0: When we really needed to stop, Keelan stepped up and, and been good uh, on the defensive end of the court. So you're down one in the closing seconds against uh, Ohio State on Sunday. Keelan Martin has the ball. What's kind of going through your head?
1: Well, first thing was, what should we call timeout? Because we had one. Uh, but once Keelan Martin had the ball, it was, okay, does he have enough space? And and, and I thought we did at the time, and, and uh, you know, he, he's pretty good. You know if he has space and so um you know i was hoping he would drive the ball to the basket like he did because it was only a one-point game and uh and that that's something that we've talked to him about is just using his body and, and maintaining leverage and so but it's it's one of those deals where you just trust you know you trust your guys uh you know the right guy has the ball and, and we're probably going to draw up a play to get keelan the ball anyway anyhow so uh just trust him to make
0: a good decision at that point and uh and i was thankful as everybody was that he uh, he finished the play it was obviously a great decision on your end to not call a timeout. Do you have a philosophy on that? I mean, in those situations, do you always want to play on? I know it kind of varies coach to coach.
1: Yeah, I think it's it, like I said, it's a uh, you know knowing um, you know the other the opponent, uh, the flow of the game. If it's if it's something where we've got good enough spacing at the time and the right guys about to get the ball, uh, you know I like to play on. Uh, but. And if the other coach, you know, has a secondary defense, maybe they zone, you call the timeout and you don't want to go up against the zone, so you allow them to get set. You know, sometimes they'll worry about getting the ball in bounds even, uh, if you if you use one and now you have to you struggle to inbound the ball and I've seen that happen before. So it's a little bit of a feel and in and, and listening to the the coaching staff and our our staff was on the bench saying, you know, don't use the coach, let him play and, and so uh yeah, those guys were right this time. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta give yourself a little credit
0: too. Uh, Sean McDermott, McDermott landed awkwardly and got hurt in Euron's win over Portland State. What what's his current status? Uh
1: he's he's got a, getting evaluated today. Uh at the uh doctor at the point at this point in time it was doubtful, definitely for last game, so we'll have more information uh by the end of the day here on a true uh true status you know from a medical standpoint uh but it was something where he he definitely wasn't going to play in the the Ohio State game and so I'll find out more later actually Evan
0: got it and 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 last question for you coach Uh, I've been asking this uh, to a lot of my guests and I've gotten some really interesting answers Uh, but if you weren't coaching basketball what would you be doing with your life
1: that is a, that's a great question. It, it would be definitely something with, uh, with kids, uh, you know, it's uh, something in where, uh, the mentorship piece for me is, is what drew me into coaching. Um, you know, when I first got back in the, in the chairs and operate director of operations here at Butler, uh, it was, you know, being around the, the young guys that were just getting in and trying to figure out college and helping them uh, navigate life and, you know, at that age group, uh, 18 to 22. So, I don't know exactly what, but it, it would be something where, you know, you could uh, have an effect on young people and, and be a mentor of some sort.
0: Laval, thanks, uh, thanks for jumping on the podcast. I appreciate your time.
1: Hey, thanks a lot, Evan. Appreciate you having me. This is Tom Israel. Michigan State is headed to the final four and you can leave it to Cleve. and he's running out on the floor has reinstated the magic at michigan state you're listening to the sidelines with
0: evan daniels would like to once again thank Butler head coach Laval Jordan for taking the time out and jumping on the sidelines podcast. That interview was recorded on Tuesday. Wednesday morning, Butler announced that Sean McDermott, who Coach Jordan and I discussed in that interview, would be out for four to six weeks due to an ankle sprain. So there's the injury update for Sean McDermott. Now let's jump to my three big topics. And we're going to start with a guy in high school basketball. His name is Anthony Simon and I want to discuss his draft status. This is a kid that is a five-star prospect in the 2018 class and he is considering he is considering and contemplating going into the 2018 NBA draft. The reason he can do that is he is a high school senior. Or was a high school senior last year, and he graduated. Now he's doing a postgraduate season at IMG Academy. Thus, he graduated last year. is one rem- year removed from high school, and uh, can can look into and and is eligible. To put his name into the 2018 NBA draft if he so chooses to do so. Now, should he do it? That's the question. Now, this is a kid that's six foot three. He's got a plus three and a half wingspan. He's a very good athlete, and he's a tremendous scorer. He shot over 42% from three in the Under Armour Association playing with Team Breakdown this past summer. That was on almost 100 attempts. So he can really shoot the basketball, not only off the catch, but off the dribble, on the move. He's much more of a scorer than a, just a shooter, but he can certainly make long distance shots. He's comfortable pulling up from mid-range. He has runners and floaters in his arsenal. I think he has potential as a defender to not only defend two guards, but also combo guards, potentially point guards. He moves his feet well laterally, he plays hard. Uh, on the flip side, where where he needs improvement is one he lacks strength. And I I think Uh, He's strong enough for the high school level right now. I think he'll be fine in college uh, should he go that route uh, for the year, maybe two, that he's there. But if he's going to make the jump to the NBA, his body is not quite ready or strong enough for that. Now, the other uh, negative is perhaps his size for position. He's 6'3", maybe 6'4", but I'd say he's more 6'3". And that's a little undersized for the shooting guard position in the NBA. Now, I do think that he has combo qualities. This is a kid that can really handle the basketball. Uh, I don't prefer him as a point guard because I think his mentality is much more score. Now, I will say every time I've seen him and the teams that I've seen him on, His job has been to score, but I also think that's what he does best, and I don't know that I'd want to take him away from doing what he does best, and that's put the ball in the basket. So I talked to Anthony Simons at the National Prep Showcase a week and a half ago. He told me that he is considering going into the NBA draft, but he did tell me that it's much more likely that he goes to college I asked him which schools are recruiting him the hardest. He told me Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee, and North Carolina State. So he has a, a decision ahead. I'm sure he's going to get some feedback from, from some NBA folks to try to decide if he should test the waters or just go to college. I do think that that lack of strength is probably going to hinder him, and I, I think a year of college could be really good for him. This is a kid that can really score the basketball, and I think he's going to play in the NBA. Is it going to be next year or not I don't know the second big topic is Xavier man they had a huge win over Baylor on Tuesday night and it was one they needed coming off a loss to Arizona State and this is a really good Xavier team I I had a chance to watch them practice in the preseason I left that practice thinking they had the potential to be a final four team I really like what they have on the perimeter and Trayvon Blewett and JP McCura and JP McCura was awesome in that win over Baylor scored 19 points eight for 15 from the field but he made Key shots had key rebounds, passes, love his energy, but I think the guy that was the difference maker in that game was Kaiser Gates. He really stepped up, kid out of Georgia, six foot eight, versatile forward, he made five of nine three pointers, and he just seemed. To make three pointers at just the right time, he he made them in key situations, and I, I thought Xavier showed some grit and some toughness because Baylor uh, they tried to come back late. Xavier had a double digit lead. Baylor made a run, and, and Xavier held on. And this was really a game they needed to win. You know, you, they lose a game in, in Las Vegas to Arizona State, a game that they were picked to win. Uh, They had Baylor and then the Crosstown shootout against Cincinnati this weekend. So getting that win over Baylor was big for momentum purposes. But you also don't want to go into a game like the Crosstown shootout uh, with two losses. So I I thought that was a huge win for Xavier and especially how they did it. Trayvon Blewett didn't have his best night. Now, he still made some plays, uh, but Kaiser Gates really stepped up and was really impressed with what J.P. McCura brought to the table. So this sets up that showdown. The Crosstown shootout, and I'm actually going to be there. I'm really excited about this game. I went last year. Uh, last year, Trayvon Blewett went for 40, but Xavier still lost to Cincinnati, and, and Xavier had won the previous three. The series right now is is 50-34, to 34, Cincinnati leading that series. But I think this is going to be a, a really good game. I think both of these teams have Final Four potential. Uh, they're loaded. Cincinnati is 7 and 0. They haven't been challenged yet, but they will be in the coming weeks. They got uh, Xavier, then Florida. So Cincinnati is about to be really challenged. We're going to find out just how good they are. But I, I really like the makeup of Mick Cronin's team. They have scores, they're shooting over 40% from three in seven games. Uh, they have the normal toughness and physical play. And anytime you watch a Cincinnati-Xavier game, you know you're going to see uh, physical play and toughness. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be a doozy. And uh, I thought that win for Xavier... Over Baylor was big for them, and it sets up this showdown between 7-0 Cincinnati and 6-1 Xavier. So should be a really good one. My third topic is two teams with their stock rising. I'm going to start with Arizona State. That's the team that beat Xavier over the weekend. I said at the beginning of the season that I thought Arizona State had a very good chance to be a tournament team. And the reason I said that is because I was impressed with their guards and what their guards bring to the table. Holder. He's playing as well as anyone in the country, 23.3 points a game, six rebounds, five and a half assists, plays so hard, uh, competes on both ends. He, he can score it. He can distribute it. He's a stat sheet stuffer, and he's been absolutely tremendous. Hasn't gotten a lot of notoriety, but he is certainly deserving of it. But I mentioned how good their guards are. How about this? Trey Holder, Shannon Evans, Remy Martin, and Cody Justice. They combined for 67 points a game. They had over 90. Those four combined over 90 against Xavier uh, over the weekend. And and we know history says that guards are big come tournament play and big – uh, these are senior guards. These are guards with experience. Remy Martin's a freshman, but those other three, Trey Holder, Shannon Evans, Cody Justice, they've been through the rigors. These are tough kids. These are kids that can make plays. I'm really impressed with what Arizona State uh, has brought to the table this year, uh, 6-0 with wins over Xavier, Kansas State, and San Diego State, and they're about to be tested. They'll play St. John's later this week. They go to Kansas, which I think we'll find out uh, a lot about that team, and then they play Vanderbilt. So Arizona State State is one of the stock up teams and the second one is Florida man they have looked impressive they're sitting five and one with wins over Stanford and Gonzaga and then a very close loss to Duke a, a game quite frankly they very well could have won and like Arizona State I think they have tremendous guards Jalen Hudson Igor Klochov, Kavon Allen Chris Chioza DeAndre Ballard those five guys 72 points They're averaging 72 of Florida's 100 points a game as a team shooting 46% from three on 115 attempts. Four guys have already made double-digit threes in six games. Really impressive what Florida is doing offensively. I love the makeup of this team. I think Mike White is doing a really good job, and I think this team um, has a chance and has the potential to be a Final Four caliber team, so the Florida Gators, another team on the rise. I would like to thank you guys for listening to the Sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. Before I let you go, I want to make sure that you are supporting this podcast, and as I mentioned in the open, the best way you can do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button, but also make sure that you hit us. Give us a rating and leave us a review. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter. Guys, thanks for listening and have a great week.